Hi there, and welcome along to episode 81 of the Jersnet podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers show made by the fans for the fans. Uh, and as always, we are absolutely live. Please do leave us your comments and your questions on YouTube. I'll be keeping my eye on that throughout the show and we'll get to as many of them as we can. As always, the podcast is available to download from Monday morning, so make sure you hit subscribe and you'll never miss a thing. Uh, We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Acast, CastBox, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you can get your podcasts from. Um, If you're enjoying the show, maybe leave us a wee comment, a little review, uh, and spread the word as well on all the social media platforms. Remember as well, Jairus Night isn't just a successful podcast. We've also got a load of articles, match previews, and a lively discussion forum over at jairusnet.co.uk. Please do head over and take a wee look. Tonight on the show, we are going to be trying our best to keep the mood up high after a very, very difficult day yesterday at Tynecastle once again, uh, which has somewhat taken the shine off the heroics of Wednesday night in Portugal. My name's Ross Bennett. I'm going to be your Jairus Net podcast host this evening. As always, we have two excellent guests lined up to join me and, uh, and try and keep the mood up. First up is the man behind probably the most popular Rangers blog out there at the moment from the very successful Four Lads Had a Dream blog. Uh, it's a very, very warm welcome to Stevie Clifford. Now, Stevie, I know you were uh, somewhat unhappy at the performance yesterday evening. Uh, how are you feeling this evening? Angry. Um, disappointed, let down. And to be honest, Ross, I'm embarrassed. But we'll get to that. Excellent. Um <laughs> I'm much the same. Honestly, Carl, I'm doing my best. I'm really doing my best. Um, last week, again, we had another tough show. I was on the show with uh, with Colin and, and John, and we were saying how difficult it can be to record the show uh, on the Sunday evening after you've had a shite performance that day. We're now recording this over 24 hours after that performance, and uh, it's, it's still absolutely brutal, but we're going we're gonna to soldier on. Um, also with us tonight, we're very, very grateful actually to have Stuart Weir on the show. Stuart, a, a very, very warm welcome to you as well. How's your weekend been? Well, my weekend has been probably a, a tad better than uh, you guys because, um, I, I, again, um, I get paid regardless of how Rangers perform and um, have to be either you know full of praise or critical. Um, and I would have to say yesterday, giving um, what happened, um, there was nothing but criticism of of the Rangers' performance for the people that I was broadcasting for. So, you know, again, difficult times for Rangers, and especially after the highs of midweek, it's very difficult to go back on um, and answer questions from the same broadcasters who, a couple of days earlier, were praising Rangers to the hilt, and last night were asking what actually went wrong, and it was difficult to come up with a, a you know, an answer to that, that question. Well, look, that's um, that's exactly why we're all here is to try and find an answer as to as to what went wrong. I guess there's there's no other place to start, Stevie, than, than looking at the result yesterday in in Edinburgh. Um, to me, this was I can't you know what I can't actually remember a clear cut chance that we had on goal. It was embarrassing. It was a shambles. Um, was this let's say the worst performance of the season for you? Well, it was like the horror show of our last visit to Tynecastle, but somehow worse. Um, just when we thought they'd reached the absolute dregs last time, they somehow managed to outdo themselves. 
it really was a shambles. See, from top to bottom, they couldn't even pass the ball five yards. There was moments where players were just hitting it out the pitch. Tav, you know, to Tav, there was one down by the dugout on the right-hand side. He just passed it out of the field and then he blamed somebody else. I mean, it was, it was atrocious. Stephen Davis dummied the ball and it went straight to Hearts player. It was just, it just looked, they looked scared. And that's the first time I've ever watched Rangers and thought to myself, under Gerard, they look petrified here. They, they weren't interested. There was nobody wanted the ball. Nobody wanted to make it happen. And it was just, it was ridiculous. That, I said a couple of days ago, Ross, I said that we needed to stick with this this team and we needed to stick with the manager because Braga showed that we are, you know, on the right track. And I don't apologise for saying that. But what I will say in regard to that comment and that blog now is four days later after that performance, that performance changes everything. See, for me, there's players that played yesterday that are now, as far as I'm concerned, they're they're now counting down to the end of their Rangers careers. Now, see, I've been looking for a, a kind of good way to sum up my feelings about the, some of the players in this side. And, and we've all kind of had a wee chat just before we've come on air here about the, the disappointment of some of the leaders or stronger characters that you'd expect in that side. Ewan's just made a really good comment here on YouTube. Many of the players played themselves out of the hearts of fans, Stevie. Is that is that kind of a good way of summing it up, that a lot of those players should be idols for fans and they have, as he says, they've, they've played themselves out of out of our hearts? I just think it's the end for some of them. I think that a lot of our patients will be over with them and... You know, we, we get a reaction after 90 minutes at every game and we're high and we're down and, you know, it, it's the usual. But there's a difference to this one. I just think that certain players, and we, and we will go on to name them, um, I just think that I just think they're finished with the, with this support now. And I think that Steven Gerrard needs to learn really quickly that he needs to get rid of the guys that he's, he's been ultra-faithful in, otherwise they will cost him his job. And that is exactly where I am at the moment. And just to just to be clear, I don't want that to happen. I think Stephen Gerrard is the answer. I really do. And whether that's blind faith, sometimes it feels like it is. But losing him to me would be just a massive step backwards. But he very, very quickly, in my humble opinion, needs to learn and needs to, to decide what he's doing with certain personnel because the ones that he's putting all the faith in are the ones that are constantly letting them down when it comes to the crunch, and it simply just is not good enough. I think the point that Stevie makes there is absolutely valid because if you if you go back thirty years ago, there was nobody, you know, as big at the club as the then captain, who would have been Terry Butcher, and Graham soon has just decided your time is up, you're going because. He he wasn't the same player as he once was, and he had become almost like a liability. And at that point in time, soon as having made this guy, you know, his marquee signing the first summer he arrived, um, you know, having well, he signed Colin West, and then he goes and gets England captain. The fact of the matter was that the the, the loyalty that Sunis had showed. He knew there was a decision to make between loyalty and what was best for the team. And what was best for the team was playing without Terry Butcher and Terry Butcher being no longer at the club. And 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 loyalty, you know, went at that point in time. It was more about getting the results, getting a team 
that was going to you know go forward, and and that was the end of of uh, of Terry Butcher, and and I think looking through the team currently that uh, Stephen Gerrard has assembled, there are certain individuals in there who they they, they just they're just not up for the fight. I don't think they've got the heart for it, and I think far too easily it it doesn't take much. To, to knock them out of kilter and to to basically unnerve them and unsettle them. And for whatever reason, they almost looked unnerved and unsettled before they took to the pitch last night against Hearts. And Hearts, Hearts almost could smell that kind of fear. Hearts almost recognised that this was a frightened Rangers team. And if they took it to Rangers, they could win the game. And ultimately, that's what happened. Now, you see, what, what, what strikes me as interesting, Stuart, and, and to pick up on something that Stevie's just mentioned there, um, I've been a Rangers fan my whole life, and I can remember that the fans will turn very, very quickly on a manager. I remember it with Warburton, I remember it with Pedro, um, and I remember it going back further than that. That When the results start going downhill, the fans will turn very, very quickly on a manager. Now, in this case, what seems to be happening, and, and judging by the comments here on YouTube, judging by the comments we're all getting on Twitter this evening, it, whilst there is a, a, a vocal element saying it's Gerard's time to go, it seems to me that there's a a larger majority of the fan base are saying we trust Gerard. It's the players we don't trust. Why is it in this case that the players are the ones that are taking the blame for it rather than the manager? Because it'll be easier to get better players than it would be to get a better manager. That that simple. You if you can if you can show me a manager who is of the same profile as Steven Gerrard and who probably has the same levels of experience as Steven Gerrard and, and, you know, most of all, wants to be at Rangers and be the Rangers manager, then good luck. That That's, you know, take a punt on someone then. Personally, I don't think there is anybody out there that, that would be of that kind of profile and, and actually pick up where if you like, Stephen Gerrard has left off. I think it'd be very difficult to attract anybody of that calibre to Rangers just now. So you stick with what you've got. The same cannot be said about players. I think there are, you know, the fact that in the January transfer window that Rangers have gone out and brought in Hadji, you know, only goes to prove that there are players out there who would improve the team. And, uh, you know, it might it might be, you know, you might really need to... to Take a, a scalpel to the team and and cut quite a bit of the the you know the, the quite a few of the players out of the equation. But the fact of the matter is, I think people have now you know seen for themselves that there are certain players who will be very very effective in winning teams, but also quite a few who cannot who cannot deliver. Um, the type of performance that makes Rangers a winning team, especially when they go a goal behind, they just don't have it in their their, their locker. They just don't have the, the the ammunition to actually do certain things to get Rangers back into games when they start chasing games. Rangers go a goal ahead, fine. They they can they can hang on. They can maybe even score another couple. Rangers chasing games. They just don't do it. They just don't do it well. And I think, ultimately, that is down, not to how the manager sets them up, that is down to the willingness of the players to actually, you know, give that wee bit more than the 100% that they're actually supposed to be giving. Can I just make a point here as well? I think there's a massive other reason. We've seen 
how well this team can do. We've seen this team respond to setbacks in December with the cup final and, and go on and, and win uh, Easter Road, win at Motherwell, win Kamarnock and, and then beat Celtic. So we know the capabilities of this team. Three, four days ago in Braga, this team showed their capabilities because they were up for it. And I'll, I'll be quite honest with you, I'm starting to get pissed off just thinking about this because this is where it really starts to rile me and upset me because see people like, like Tavernier, this is where people are starting to get fed up because Tav's been around now for four or five managers and we see the same thing from Tav all the time and people are fed up now. This is why you're getting comments that people are saying it's not the manager, it's the players because the manager has turned Rangers around and brought them on miles but he cannot be held responsible. He cannot hold their hand in the pitch when they can't even pass a ball five yards. This is why people are so annoyed and this is why people are so angry. This is why people are getting, or players are getting the brunt of it because we are sick of it. And that is why, and I'm sorry if I'm coming and I'm starting to get ranty, but I'm trying not to, but this is the crux of it. These players have literally shat the bed in the space of eight weeks from taking us to the highest high and filling us with hope. That's why people are angry and that's why people are annoyed because they have thrown it away and we can sit and we can say Gerard's done tactics and Gerard's done this, that and everything else and by, by God, he should answer questions. Gerard isn't in, infallible to these things but he cannot hold a guy's hand out in the pitch when you see him physically and shying away from the ball and not wanting the ball and not wanting and demanding. It's all right, James Tavernier doing it, Stephen Davis doing it, Alan McGregor doing it when it's nice and it's pretty games and everything else, that's fantastic. But see when the shit hits the fan and these guys don't roll their sleeves up, that's when the fans respond and that's why we're all angry because we're sick of it. I, I think that what you've said, you know, I would I would agree with you. I would also say that, you know, Stephen Gerrard has put trust in certain individuals and in certain players and okay, he might not have anybody else, but he has trusted certain people who slowly but surely have eroded that trust. They cannot, they cannot do the most basic things and the most fundamental things. You know, I have never been a fan of Tavernier. I think he's a guy who, you know, to use a, an, an age-old expression, at times he's an accident waiting to happen. His, you know... He, for everything that he does in an attacking sense, he fails to do defensively. And and it's cost Rangers several times over over you know the last four or five years. The, the 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 fact of the matter is though that there are a number of guys who fall into that category just now who Steven Gerrard must be expecting bigger performances from, more leadership from. Uh, and they're just not delivered. If you look at the Rangers teams in the in the past, there are guys that have done the, the the dirty work, the dirty job, the real graft in the middle of the park, and done it really really well. For me, you know, the epitome of that would be somebody like um, Ian Ferguson. Go further back, you would have likes of Alex McDonald doing it. Rangers were very very fortunate, however, that those two were you know good players as well, and. Another guy that did it would be Barry Ferguson. Barry Ferguson could track back for 90 minutes and make tackles for 90 minutes, but he also had that, that bit of magic that could actually unlock an, an opposition defence or he could come up with a goal. There is nobody at Ibrooks of that calibre just now. And, I, and, and, you know, worst of all, 
I don't think there's anybody that wants to do the real graft, the real toil in the middle of the park. And, and just, you know, defensive holding midfield players are the guys that, that make the tackles and make other people, bring other people into the game. And I just don't see enough of it. And I haven't seen enough of it in the teams that, that you know, Stephen GNR's put guys out there that being asked, asking them to actually do that job. And it just hasn't happened for them. And again, you can imagine the frustration. You know, I tweeted it last night. Just how frustrated must Stephen Gerrard be that he sees a, his team perform the way they did um, in Portugal and then they come out and turn in that performance last night? Inexplicable, absolutely inexplicable. If you're relying on the same players and the same players can't play consistently well 90 minutes on the spin, you know, two games in succession. That for Steven Gerrard, and I think that's why he's so frustrated and why he sounded off last night, is because he cannot come up with any answers himself. Now, listen, I, I completely agree with, with both of you, actually. The, the, the brunt of my frustration lies with the players, the players who we know have the calibre to deliver more, um, that have shown it in, in brief spells, but seem to lack the, the heart... They don't have the bottle for it. And what a comment I made just before we came on air was that it seems to me this team likes to play as an underdog and likes to go into a situation where we're no fancied. You know, we go away to Porto and we get a point. We, we bring Porto back to Ibrooks and we put two past them. They never look like scoring. We go away to Braga. They've been unbeaten at home for however many ties. Um, and yet you cannot have an underdog mentality when you're at Rangers and you're expected to win every single game. My, my one concern, though, is that whilst... I have a, a lot of faith in Gerard, and I believe he is the right man. Stuart, do you have any faith that he's actually going to respond to any of this and change things? Do you have any faith that he's going to drop Tavernier on Wednesday and bring in Polster, who certainly would do the graft? Um, do you have any faith that he'll drop his, you know, his favourites to, to try and change things? Or are we just going to see a repeated pattern? Listen, I, 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 I think the, the, the question, Ross, is, you know, if, if the guns are aimed at the players just now and they're the ones that are taking the flak, Stephen Gerrard, you know, can defend his players, but ultimately he would come under fire himself if the Rangers fans sat there and watched that team perform and turn in a similar performance, you know, going forward. You're looking for some kind of signs that they've taken on board the criticism, that they've taken on board that they just weren't good enough against Hearts and and responded accordingly. You know, again, the point that Stevie made there, that the, the manager cannot walk out onto the pitch holding people's hands and having been close enough to see, you know, several different Rangers managers in action close up, either, you know, on on match day or behind the scenes or pre-season training or mid-winter breaks and these kind of things and, and, and having watched the input that these guys have they they will cajole people into doing things they don't necessarily want to do and I, and I do wonder if there are one or two Rangers players just don't just don't have that level of commitment or that level of enthusiasm that Steven Gerrard is looking for I mean another thing I'll, I'll, I'll say just now before you know, we go we go too far ahead on this one. There are certain players at Rangers who are showing all the trimmings of success without being successful. And you look at some of the players, you know, riding around in 
very, very flash sports cars, Lamborghinis and the likes. Listen, if you're making enough money, you're entitled to go and purchase or lease or, or do whatever you want with your money and drive whatever set of wheels that you, you, you so want. You go back to the 92-93 season when Rangers went unbeaten in Europe and won the domestic treble. There was none of that flashness in the car park. Everybody drove a Honda Accord. Okay, they might have been getting them for nothing, but everybody sat in the car park in the exact same cars. Nobody tried to be Bertie, you know, big bollocks and, sh and show off how flash I was. Where they showed how flash they were was actually on the pitch by winning trophies and by winning medals. Just now there's a culture at Rangers that guys think they have made it because they're able to afford the fanciest sports cars on the road. They haven't made it. They've won nothing. They have been, you know, they have been serial losers, so to say, because they haven't delivered a single piece of silverware of any note for quite a few seasons now. And I think that bit of it might be, might be a, something that has to be uh, told to some of these players, that it's, fan, it, it's fine being the fancy dad and dressing a certain way and driving around in a certain way. You ain't no Rangers hero or legend quite yet until you actually start delivering on the pitch. So you, you might have the trimmings of success, you ain't been successful. I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that we've kind of gone for over 20 minutes now and we've not actually really discussed what happened in the match yesterday um, and we've not even got close to talking about Alfredo Morelos. Um, Stevie, I think we just circle back to actually what happened on the pitch yesterday. Obviously, Morelos, we'll come on to in a, in a moment, was, was missing for disciplinary reasons. Um, Flo Camberry suspended, Jermaine Defoe not fit to start. So that's um, an option opportunity now for Greg Stewart to take his place through the middle up front. Um, something that a lot of fans have kind of been crying out for is, is to give Stewart a chance. And he's looked okay when he's he's had little flashes of coming off the bench. Tell me what you made of his first, you know, his real opportunity. Did, did he grasp it? I mean, to me, he was totally, totally ineffectual. Oh, see, I disagree. I don't think anybody's asked for Greg Stewart to be played as a number nine. I think that was just the situation that we were dealt. Defoe's clearly not ready and not fit. Um, Alfredo, Alfredo will get to in a minute. Um, and I don't have anything nice to say about that either, to be honest. But I would be reluctant to hang Greg Stewart out um, because he's been used as a bit part. If he had been playing five or ten games... And that happened to him yesterday. I would question him, but we can't question, in my opinion, we can't question somebody who's been flung in as a number nine because our number nine has made it an arse of it again. I don't think that's fair on Greg Stewart. I would also look at the, the opportunities that were presented to Greg Stewart, which were absolutely zip. He had one kind of chance where he, he tried to bring it back on his left foot and, and was crowded out. But again... Did, did Rangers have enough of possession or have enough vision to actually play the, the type of game in the midfield that would have suited um, Greg Stewart? I don't think they did. No, fair points, fair points. Um, it's really, tell you what, it's really saying something about our, our kind of atmosphere this evening, the fact that we've gone for nearly 25 minutes and we've not spoken about the refereeing performance yesterday. Stevie, um, within the space of a few minutes, we had a clear penalty uh, shout on Ryan Kent probable penalty, let's be fair, against George Edmondson and then the shambles of the disallowed goal and, and, and Demur then staying on the park for Hearts. 
Can you sum up the, obviously as a qualified referee yourself, sum up that performance yesterday um, from the man in the middle? Um, he's a shite bag. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, but that's the truth. I've seen it with Stephen McLean so many times. He's an awful referee. And that was inexplicable yesterday. First of all, people, you know, you I heard Ali saying that it wasn't a penalty at half time. Well, that's ridiculous because he can't done the boy and not make them and goes past them through skill and the boy blocks him. Having nowhere to go isn't an excuse. If you get that close to tackle and the boy does you by skill and he tries to get past and you barge him to the ground like he was like happened, it's a penalty. Likewise, see at the other end, that is a stonewall penalty for Hearts. Let's be fair in our criticism, but that just shows you how inept he is. George Edmondson almost pammed that ball out and, and he gave it. And what happens next is just a clear sign of somebody who knows fine well that he's made an arse of that decision and thinks, oh, I've now got to put him off, but it really should be a penalty to them and I can't do it. So I'll justify it by just making up a lie that he was he was pushed in the back and that's why he handballed it. If he was pushed in the back, that should be another penalty then. You've just he's just a, an absolute shite bag over here who can't give decisions and he shouldn't be involved. We've seen this before with Stephen McLean. He takes the easy option every time. The boy didn't just accidentally handballed it. He almost caught the thing and threw it in. Two hands are up. It's not basketball. And I'm sick of this, the standard of Scottish refereeing. It is appalling. And some of the stuff we've seen, I'll bring you back as well. There's been a couple of decisions and I point out to people who say, you know, we're verging on um, ranting about refs and stuff. Look at the referee for Rangers Livingston a couple of weeks ago and the tackle on Goldson that happened down the line. And I can't remember it was the boy's name, Anderson or something, the referee. I cannot remember, but he was the same referee that sent off um, big Cosgrove for Aberdeen for his tackle on Ayer. Now, Cosgrove won the ball, but it was it was a correct decision. It was dangerous, and I understood it because he's off the ground, he's lost, and, and I get that. But the Livingston boy did the exact same, and this time he chose to yellow card him. Let's look at, again, midweek, where you had um, the situation in Europe, and the boy scores ahead of Man City, and, it, and it's the exact same as Alfredo's at Kilmarnock. VAR checked it and everything, and they, and they, they said... No foul. But we've got a situation with, with Rangers, with Kamarnik. Alfredo scores a goal like that. Now, we, we're all questioning the mentality of this team and everything else, but they could have won that game 2-1 if we're being officiated properly and we're not. And and yeah, that might have masked the current situation or whatever, and yeah, it's an excuse. Aye, it's an excuse, fair enough. But it is correct. The way we're getting refereed and officiated in Scotland is just atrocious. It really is. And Stephen McLean yesterday, there'll be no, there's there's no punishment for him. There's there's no nothing there. There's nobody looking at that and saying, what are you doing? Honest to goodness, see if I'd done that down the Milton on Sunday at 10 o'clock, I'd be chased in my car. It's an absolute embarrassment the way these referees are, are performing. And they've got, there's no recompense for them. There's nothing there at all. It's just, that was a shambles yesterday. It really was embarrassing. Another thing with that, though, is, Stevie, that you say the SFA took sanctions against uh, McLean for the performance that he, he, he put in yesterday. You then are looking to promote somebody who's probably equally inept. There is it, there is not a, a production line of referees in Scotland that are coming through to make things better because they're all part of the same system. And that's one of the reasons why it's very, very difficult to see to, to find referees of any kind of level of consistency because they're all 
much of a muchness, hence the reason why you have some of the, the horrendous decision-making that, that takes place during the course of a game, hence the reason why managers are upset and players are upset and fans are even more upset. Stuart, does it compromise the integrity of Scottish football and, and would it even be damaging the reputation of, of our game? Yeah, of course it does. But I mean, there, there have always been decisions down through the years that have been contentious. I mean, some some completely baffling decisions that have been made, and sometimes they, you know, in in the case of Rangers, sometimes they've they've benefited Rangers. Other times they've gone against Rangers. Just now, referees under real scrutiny because people can sit and watch umpteen replays which means that they have to get it as, as near right 100% of the time. They don't have they don't have the luxury of VAR, okay? And although I would I would worry a VAR come into Scottish football for two reasons. One, it would highlight just how poor the officials actually are because it would give them a defence mechanism to actually change decisions that they might have actually got right, if you know what I mean. And and, and the other thing is, in terms of VAR and, and Scottish football, you you could end up with a situation whereby not only do they, they cancel or amend one decision, they then go back two and three sort of plays before that to then make another call. You know, and I, and I, it worries me at times that VAR wouldn't be a solution to Scottish refereeing. It would just actually plummet, you know, plummet us into actually even more uh, confusion. And you know, I used to be, I used to be of the school that things used to even themselves out over a course of a season. I, I don't honestly think they do now. I think actually all teams, and I mean all teams, actually suffer more than they get any benefits from some refereeing decisions because ultimately it, it, it costs them and it's expensive, you know, in terms of what they're trying to achieve, either in scoring goals or defending goals. I think, uh, you know, and you'll say, uh, but if, if, it, if it goes against Rangers, then it must benefit the opposition. But I just honestly think there are too many bad decisions being made in Scottish football just now for any club to be actually happy about the standard of refereeing. No, well, I totally agree. And uh, the comment here that the referees from Ben uh, Ben seven nine one one made a comment: refs have cost us points this season. I completely agree with that as well. But I, I, Joe, I, I think you're right, Stuart. It doesn't. No one gets a benefit from this. You know, a dodgy decision goes against us. It might favour the other team. But over the course of the season, we're all losers when we can't have referees that can officiate the game to the standard that it deserves. I'm not saying Scottish football is the highest standard in the world, but we deserve a better calibre of officiating. Um. Just a, you know, in the last sort of ten minutes or so of this segment of the show, I think we we do we do need to come on to Alfredo Morelos. So Stevie, it was all a little bit of a mystery with Morelos what was happening, and then we we see the team gets published about an hour hour and a quarter before the kickoff yesterday afternoon. Um, Morelos not starting, not even on the bench. Um, there was then about forty five minutes worth of wondering what had gone on before we, we see Stephen Gerrard's pre-match press conference and we realise that it was a disciplinary issue. Now, my understanding is that Morelos was given a few days off to go back to Colombia for a, a family-related matter. Um, he went with the club's blessing and the club's support, but he reported back a day late. He missed a day's worth of training and therefore missed a big su- section of preparation for the game. Um, he came back overweight and actually quite significant the amount of weight that he managed to put on in those four days that he was away. Um, 
and it's it's not the first time. Every time this boy gets an extended period away from not even an extended period, any period of time away at all, he doesn't look after himself, doesn't keep himself in shape. Um, and it's certainly not the first time that he's come back late as well. At what point do you reach the end of your tether? You know, 30 goals a season, fine, but at what point is he is he more hassle than he's worth? No. As far as I'm concerned, we have to what we need to do with Alfredo is basically put a brave face on it, get him back in the team, get him scoring, get him firing, and then first available opportunity, get him out the door. Sorry, it's, it's now been too many times with Alfredo. There were situations last year with silly yellows and silly reds and everything else, and that's fine. But if we are, if, you know, we made excuses for him and Gerrard's went to bat for him so many times and don't, don't downplay just how much that affected us yesterday by not having him there. He's our talisman. We need him. And even if he's if he's not firing properly, which he hasn't been, he's still occupying, he's still a point man. He's still, you know, a focal point of that attack. And he's just he's, he's you see what happens when he's not there. He's got a responsibility to the to the fans, to the to his teammates and everybody, and he and he's let them down. So I'm not going to speculate on his weight and everything else. That's it's up to the manager to come out and say that. But what I will say is that the reason that he, he was disciplined and everything was because his excuses were less than impressive and there was other ways that he could have got here and things like that and he simply failed to do it. It's just lazy and it's just half arsed. And this is you've got to remember, this isn't a guy that we're paying ten grand a week to either. It's a guy that's very handsomely getting paid and weekly. And he's had, you know, contract extensions and bumps and we've rewarded him. But in the end, his attitude, since he come back in, in December, uh, from his December break, has been, it's just, it's, it's been mirrored by his teammates as well. It's just, it's just not good enough. Um, I don't expect strikers to hit the back in the net all the time because, that, you know, it's not, it's not possible. But what I do want to see is a better attitude and everything else. For me, in my eyes, it's one too many times now. Um, as I said, we put our arm around them, we get them back in the team, we get them firing and we get them out of the door. Sorry if that's harsh, but that's just the way I feel at the moment. Listen, we've got an interesting perspective here from, from Gary Hunter on, on YouTube. Um, what he says, Stevie, is everyone needs to get off Alfie's back. He's done wonders for us. His mum's ill, family comes before football. We all love him when he's scoring goals and we forget what he needs to deal with. How do you respond to that perspective? That's that's all fine and well if you're talking about the club blocking him and and not allowing him. If we turn around and say you're not going home to see your mum, um, you know, then I, I think he's he's got an entitlement to say no family comes first. But we agreed, we we let him go back, we supported him, we made arrangements for him and everything else, and and he doesn't. He knew fine well how important um, this this game was to us. So and and he wasn't late because. You know, there was an, an extra issue or, or there was an urgent family matter. He was late because he made an arse of it. So let's not pretend that, you know, we're all getting on Alfredo's back and everything else because we've done nothing but laud the guy all year. We sing his name, we chant, we, you know, we get merchandise for Alfredo and everything else, you know what I mean? And and he has to he has to grow up, quite frankly, because see, if he doesn't, Ross, he'll never maximise his potential and he's got all the potential in the world. But I am sick to the back teeth of, of going to bat for Alfredo and defending him when stuff like that happens yesterday. Now, there will be people that disagree with that. And I love Alfredo, honestly. I, I chant his name and I absolutely love him. But 
there comes to a point where you just say this is more hassle than it's worth. And if we get a big money bid for him, I'm sorry, I wouldn't even consider not selling them. I, I would put them out the door and recycle it and use it on the team because it's just at a point now where it is becoming more hassle than it's worth. And see, before Christmas, Ross also point this out as well, his attitude was great. See, when he came back, he's been, ever since that moment at Parkhead, he's been moody, he's, he's, he's looked uninterested. And I, I don't need that. I don't need the Alfredo that we'd, we'd kind of trained out of him. I don't need that back. Midweek wasn't, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't, you know, something happened with his mother and, you know, we should... We should just say, you know, family comes first. I understand if that was the case and the boy was a wee bit late, I would just say, look, family, mum comes first, absolutely, but it wasn't. So I'm, I'm not buying any excuses for him, I'm sorry. Now, Stuart, I'm, you know, much like Stevie and I'm sure much like yourself, I'm a massive fan of Alfredo as a footballer. Um, I think he's been a, a revelation since he's come to this country and I'm full of admiration for the route that he's taken and, and the ambition that he has. Um, and he, he clearly is a very, very ambitious lad. I think it's obvious that Alfredo, you know, by all accounts, he'll go on to be the the largest sale financially that Rangers have had um, and, and probably will continue to have for a very, very long time. To what extent are you worried that incidents like this, and like I say, this isn't the first incident, um, they are well publicised. Gerard's certainly not denied it or downplayed the, the disciplinary problems uh, in his interviews. How much do you think that this can affect the, the potential sell-on fee that we could get for him? Um, you know, first of all, let's take what the manager has done, what the manager has said. Um, Steven Gerrard has defended the player to the hilt on occasions. In fact, I, I would even go as far to say as Steven Gerrard has defended the indefensible at times, given how... Um, Morelos has, has has performed or his antics on the pitch that have led to him no longer being on the pitch. Okay, you can say that referee's decision-making wasn't maybe up to it and they've, they've targeted him, but on other occasions, he's just been downright stupid. His manager, however, has stuck with him all the way through. The manager is a guy who sanctions his, his opportunity to go to, you know, go back home to see his mother, who isn't particularly well, that's fine. But these are the parameters of you travelling abroad. You leave on this day, you will return on this day. It's not too difficult. You know, as as we said earlier there, if Rangers are turning and flatly denied him the chance to go back uh, to his homeland, then he might have had an issue. He might have had a case. But as it stands, you know, he has travelled halfway around the world and then decided not to travel halfway back because it, it, that suited him. So, you know, I, I, I see what one or two of the comments are and one or two, you know, what one or two people are saying. That's absolutely fine. You know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. But he has been a key member of the Rangers side in terms of the goals that he scored. It hasn't been enough, actually, for, um, you know, for Rangers to actually win anything uh, on the pitch and he has actually performed in such a way that it would be more beneficial for him and the club if he wasn't there he'll get a he'll get a big move and the club will get a large sum of money however i do wonder actually how much his market value is given that there must be managers out there in fact i i, I will not just say it, there must be there are managers out there who 
have, in discussions that I've had with him, have actually said, yeah, the guy, the, the, the boy has something, the boy's good, but he also has a streak in him that means that he might not be available for five, six, eight games a season because um, he has a, you know, he has a self-destruct button. And again, I go back to the point I made, you can put that down to refereeing decisions, not being very fair, or people targeting him. However, there are other managers that look at it from further afield and who watch Rangers and have Rangers players scouted and the likes and will look at that and think to themselves, the same thing could happen down here. And if you are going to spend that amount of money or big money on a striker, you want him doing two things. One is scoring goals, and the second is actually staying on the pitch long enough to score those goals. And I think I think that is something more than more than his disciplinary record off the pitch and, and what happened the other day there that meant that you know that Steven Gerrard couldn't select him. I think there are managers looking at his disciplinary record and thinking, could I take a punt on this guy? No, there'll be other guys around that might do a better job and play more games for me. Well, I think that's that's a very fair point. What worries me is that we are now in this horrible position of we know that we need to, as, as Stevie said, we need to get him back in the team, we need to put a brave face on it and, and get the guy scoring. It's, it's no coincidence, as, as uh, the aptly named Vony Tidmar here on, on YouTube says, Morelos, uh, he's caused our dip in form. And, and while I'm not sure if he's caused it, there's certainly a correlation between Morelos's lack of form and Rangers going off form. We need to get him back out there and we need to get him scoring goals because we need to kind of inflate that market value again. So we're in this really difficult position of the player undermining the integrity of the manager, the respect, the authority of the manager and of the club. Like you say, Stuart, it's very simple. You leave on this date, you come back on that date. Um, he's he's undermined that. He's, he's disrespected the club and his manager. And yet we know that we need to, to rally around him and, and again, kind of put him on this pedestal, talk him up, get the PR machine working in overdrive and get him punted as soon as possible in the summer. It's a really, really difficult position because that dynamic now between Gerard and Morelos, I remember 18 months ago, Gerard in press conferences saying, I love him. He's, he's a hell of a player. He's like a child. Um, it's, it's this incredible dynamic now that's going to be very, very difficult for the most experienced manager to deal with. You know, how would a Walter Smith deal with this kind of situation, let alone someone who's been managing men's football for 18 months? It's, it's a really, really tough dynamic now. Um, I'll, give you, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of this. And it was a, you know, a middle of a press conference where people's tape recorders had to be switched off when Walter Smith gave his opinion of Paul Gascoigne when Paul Gascoigne went AWOL with uh, Chris Evans and Danny Baker uh, in America. Okay? And Gascoigne, you know, Gascoigne returned and was given it chapter and verse. And he also was given it chapter, chapter and verse at that particular point in time by the Rangers captain, uh, Richard Goff. You know, and, you know, and again, there are people in the dressing room who are supposedly leaders who have to be saying, no, it's not, not all down to Steven Gerrard. He's a manager and what he says goes but there must be guys in that dressing room. There has to be guys in that dressing room that say, yeah, you're a fantastic wee guy. We really love you. you you've scored, you're, you're scoring barrel loads of goals for us. But, and, and if your teammates are not in that dressing room having a word with you and saying, listen, 
you're letting yourself down here. You're basically you're basically having people point the finger at, at Stephen Gerrard as well and asking just how much authority does he actually have. If there's guys not saying they're having a hat conversation in the dressing room with Morelos, then there is something deeply, deeply wrong within the makeup of that team. No, absolutely. I mean, some of the comments that we're getting here now are, are talking about, look, if we do punt him in the summer, who's who's the person that gets the 30 goals a season? And it's a fair point. Um, but a lot of this now comes down, as, as Ewan says here on the stream, a lot of this now comes down to the director of football and the contingency planning. And if there hasn't been contingency planning, because we've known about Alfie's temperament for two years now, we've known that he's had disciplinary problems or that he'll act like a petulant child at times, um, we've known about this. We've known about his talent at the same time. So if there's no been proper contingency planning, then that's when serious, serious questions need to be asked of the likes of, obviously, Mark Allen, historically, and now Ross Wilson. Um, I'm conscious of time that we've only got 15 or 20 minutes left. Um, and I kind of want to move on and now look at this whole situation in the context of the Braga game. Because whilst there's a lot of doom and gloom uh, around the performance yesterday in the wider context of the season, um, we got a, a, a quite stunning result away from home at, at the form team in Portugal on Wednesday night, Stevie. It was a game, actually, that we never looked like losing, in my opinion. From from the first whistle, we went out, we played freely, um, we played our game, and, and we really, really took it to Braga and showed that we are a strong European side. Why the hell are we so different in Europe to how we are domestically? Because they're mentally weak. That's the only thing I can say to that. See, when I watched them yesterday, that's what i seen. I seen a mental weakness. It's all right when it's in Europe and you're not going to be pushed and shoved and kicked and, and harried because we weren't we weren't any of them in, in Braga on Wednesday. Braga played a very high line and there was space and the players knew and they were interested and they were they were well drilled and they were up for it because they were they had a point to prove. You look at that performance there and then you look at the performance against St Johnston, you look at the performance yesterday. To me, there's that. That's 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 a, a mentality thing. And I had an argument with a boy months ago, just after the first Hearts game, and he was going on about mentality, and I just didn't buy it. I was saying he was wrong, and and um, and I called the boy an idiot. I said, not a chance. You know, how do we go to Parkhead and win these? How do we bounce back after cup final? It's not like that. But they have embarrassed me. They have. I've stuck up for these players at every single turn. And they produce on Wednesday, which was fantastic. But I don't feel like talking about Wednesday. Wednesday's gone for me. You're only as good as your last game. I'm sorry. And it, it was a wonderful result, and it'll be great for the club. It's great financially, which might mean there'll be a wee bit extra in the summer, whatever you want to look at it. But it's gone for me. Leverkusen will be great. I'll worry about that when it comes around. But I'm, I'm not interested, Ross. I'm not trying to sound funny. That sickened me yesterday. I, I don't really want to sit and reminisce about how brilliant we were during the week because it means... It's it's just there's no answers for it. That's to do that on Wednesday and to do that yesterday. That's just not on for me. It's a fair point, Stuart. You'll have a wee reminisce with me, won't you? Please. <laughs> well, listen. I'll go. I'll go back. 1992-93 season. Rangers beat Leeds United um, home and away in the Champions League, uh, and um, after the game at Elland Road. Harry Harris of the Mirror, um, who would become a colleague of mine later, spoke to Richard Goff, who knew from his Tottenham days, and said, what's it like to be, you know, uh, kings of Britain, you know, sat on this game against Celtic, 
you know, that that must uh, not not take second place, but that you know you you'll struggle to uh, hit the heights you did against Leeds. And Richard Goff stopped him in his tracks and said, "Listen, if we don't win against Celtic, Celtic will be unofficial British champions, and we are not going to allow that to happen." Instead, what you had yesterday with Rangers was all of a sudden Hearts think that they are the equivalent of a team in the last 16 of the Europa League. Look at the table. That's where that Hearts team are. And that's the team that beat Rangers. And that is is the bit that I think is sticking in the the craw of so many fans that you can play uh, a, a game so tactically well against Braga, a top, top team who, I have to say, for an hour in the first game, ripped Rangers asunder and beat that team over you know, home and away and then came out and produced that performance against Hearts. That, for me, is in as much as in the, in, in the, the heart and as much in the mind as it is in terms of the ability, uh, either, you know, in playing the game or tactically. And it, for me, it's it's pretty unforgivable. If there are Rangers players there who are thinking to themselves, how good were we in midweek and don't want to win their next game just as desperately to actually progress in the only competition where you have a real realistic chance of silverware. The Europa League, yeah, I know Rangers could get to the final and maybe win it, but for me, that's a snowball in hell's chance of that happening. But against, in the Scottish Cup, you have a chance of actually winning a trophy, winning something tangible and doing it for the manager who's, you know, had faith in you. And for not to turn up with that attitude that you desperately wanted to win that game is unforgivable. If we try and take the conversation away a little bit from mentality and, and, and players who aren't up for the fight and that kind of thing, Stuart, on a practical level, let's say it, it seems like we found a winning formation in Europe that's that's put us away against some some very tough European opposition, but we can't do it against mid-level SPL jobbers away from home. What do you think tactically needs to change then? If you were Gerard and you weren't afraid of making changes, because a lot of the comments we're getting here on YouTube is, you know, should I talk about the changes that should be made on a practical level, on a tactical level? What would you be doing in terms of shape, in terms of personnel to, to freshen this up? Well, I mean, I, listen, I, I was at Celtic Park on Thursday night and saw Copenhagen, you know, perform admirably playing 4-4-2. And it's only when you see a team playing 4-4-2 really, really well that you suddenly realise that's how effective it is. And, you know, I get the formations that Rangers are playing, maybe to suit one or two of the players and that kind of thing. The biggest thing that Rangers did against Braga was they narrowed, they narrowed the pitch down that meant that Braga couldn't come through the middle and they had to throw things in from the outside. If they're throwing crosses in and trying to you know, break, make the breakthrough from, from wide positions, you have to defend really, really well. Your two centre-backs have to be outstanding and the, the, the full-backs have to, have to do a good job as well defensively. And Rangers did that on on uh, on Wednesday against Hearts, Hearts just just turned it into a shit fight. They really did, and and Rangers just could not cope with that. Hearts tried to take Rangers on all over the pitch, and they won all these battles. Rangers should have had enough 
know-how in terms of how to corral hearts at every opportunity and push them in areas that they didn't really want to play in. And for me, that's where the real tactics come. You know, Steven Gerrard and, and Gary McAllister have to have looked at pushing these guys into certain areas and saying this is where the danger is going to come from. They just didn't. They just gave Hearts a, a free roll. And the other thing that was worrying me is that it's great Rangers playing a dozen games in Europe and coming out with all the plaudits and all the praise. Absolutely fantastic and well done them. However, you have to play 40 or 50 games domestically. And that is a bit that I, 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 I don't get is why Rangers haven't honed the maybe the skill set and maybe the tactical nous that they've they've developed in Europe, why they can't have a similar game plan domestically? Because ultimately you need to win 50 or, or, or you know perform 50 times domestically more than you have to do so in Europe. So my if it was me, you'd be wanting to get your, your formation and your setup right for the domestic game rather than turning in, you know. Harlem Globetrotter all-star performances in Europe. Surely you have to get it right domestically. And I think that's where, again, we go back again to certain players letting Steven Gerrard down because they're just not playing the system and still just not playing the way he wants them to play in particular matches. Now, Stevie, a word that's been flying around a lot, not just on this pod, but kind of everywhere is shite bags. The players are shite bags. They've not got the heart or the, or the stomach for it. Is there something that can be done at the training centre to to change that up, to instil some belief? Um, a lot of the comments on the YouTube this evening have been talking about getting folk like Kevin Thompson, Peter Lovenkranz, even Barry Ferguson in, um, in a coaching capacity. I've seen a wonderful comment yesterday on Twitter saying, I wish there was such a role as a dressing room consultant hire Graham Soonis in that role and just be waiting to batter fuck out of people when they come in from a game. <laughs> I mean, do you think there's anything that can actually be done in the backroom staff area to instill some kind of fight in these players? Or is it a case that you're born a shite bag, you'll die a shite bag and we need to recruit better? Um, I, I don't necessarily agree that that's the answer. I can see why people might think it might be, but only personal kind of opinion is that it isn't. But... I want to I want to say something a wee bit on on Steven Gerrard because he hasn't really been mentioned yet and I think it's worth saying this. The situation for me with Steven Gerrard is quite simple. Um, and yeah, we all want to see him succeed and yeah, we all support him. But this is Rangers and he needs to very quickly realise that another season like this and and to be honest, the the, the kind of small groupling that are, are saying he should go will will multiply massively. He needs to adapt very, very quickly. He needs to change his tactics. He needs to start dropping people that deserve to be dropped when he's just trying to muddle on with them. And he needs to learn quickly because my thoughts on this, I mean, I'm a massive Gerard fan. I want him here. I want him the manager. But the quite simple fact for me is he either adapts and he learns or he'll fall on his sword. And that's the position we're in now. And we haven't mentioned it so far. And we need to mention this, Ross. That he he deserves criticism for that. Now his his interview last night was good in terms of he admitted that and he's going to go away and think about what he's going to do and, and the decisions he made. That's great. But see if we turn up on Wednesday and the exact same thing, then it's just going to piss everybody off, and people are pissed off. So he needs to quickly change things and he needs to adapt it 
And that's the, that's the situation with Gerard, and that's the situation that we're in with regards to formations and everything else. And you can you can sit and we can question mentality and we can say, do we need this, do we need that? It comes right from the top as well. He needs to he needs to start dropping people because if he doesn't, what will happen is they'll quickly realise, and if they haven't already, that no matter how shite they play, they're going to get played all the time anyway. Young Patterson came in for one day, one game, did perfectly well, and then has been blotted out. And Tavernier has just rocked in some of the worst performances that any right back has seen um, over the course of the season. Stephen Davis has just disappeared since Christmas time and seems to be always put in. Um, and then you've got other leaders that we can look at and, and, and point our fingers at. Even Borna Barisic has had a new contract and has looked like the weak Borna Barisic of last season. Connor Goldson has been erratic. There's just so many of them that I can mention. And, and you can't teach that. But if he keeps persisting with these guys and he keeps persisting with the same 4-3-3 that doesn't work, then people will very, very quickly turn and Steven Gerrard will fall on his sword. No, look, I, I completely agree with that. I think we're all sort of on the same page in that the players have to take a, a, a huge amount of responsibility and I really need to do a wee bit of soul-searching to understand do they have the fight and the mentality and the spirit and the belief, not just the quality, to play for Rangers. But Steven Gerrard is far from exempt from criticism. And I can see a lot of the comments here from, from Cameron on YouTube saying that no one's calling out Gerard for criticism. That's absolutely not true. All of us tonight are criticising Stephen Gerrard. The fact that he doesn't change—he doesn't know how to change games. He doesn't change systems. It's predictable. It's the same week after week. We're all talking about the fact that it's Groundhog Day. I was looking actually on the YouTube channel for for Jared's Net just before we came online. The show that we done last week, the title of it was "It's Groundhog Day Again," and yet here we are seven days later talking about the same thing. So the guy doesn't change it. He gets some amount of leeway for the fact that he's a young manager, the fact that he's a such a high-profile figure and we know that he has a great commercial benefit to the club and the fact that we can see the amount that he's improved. And I think the reaction to this slump, this poor form, um, it kind of bears out the, 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 the improvements that we've made over the past 18 months because we are streets ahead of where we were under Warburton, under Murty and under Pedro. So Gerard has improved us, but he's he's far from exempt from criticism. And Stevie, you're but, right. Can he's, I just say, Ross, see on that, we need to stop going four years ago we drew Alawa, two years ago we drew five each for Hibs and all that. That's that's past. This is Rangers, this is now. We need to stop harping on to what went on. We know he's improved us, but he couldn't have failed not to because we were absolutely shite. So let's just be honest and, and put that right on the line. He has done a good job. We all support him and, and we all believe in him. That's absolutely fine. But Gerard needs to adapt and adapt quickly. And we are calling him out. We are criticising him because he deserves it. But at least he's been big enough to hold his hands up to it. Can so I, we're not, we're not sitting and, and saying that he's infallible. And we are criticising him. But if he doesn't change on Wednesday, this is going to snowball and people will continue to be angry. And that's the situation for me. He has to adapt. And if he doesn't, then there's only one way that this is going to end. Can, can I maybe say something on this? The, the, the fact Stephen Gerrard is sending players out there with a game plan and how Rangers should approach the game. He's therefore picking players and picking a team and playing to his or playing to their strengths. Now, if they are finding it difficult or have an inability to play a set way under his instruction, 
what chance does he actually have of changing that mid-game to make it better when the guys are not doing the job they're supposed to be doing specifically during the during the rest of the match? I think, you know, the criticism of Steven Gerrard is justified uh, on occasions. I mean, what he did at, at Tynecastle, I mean, left me left me kind of baffled, to be honest. Uh, I, you know, if 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 Defoe wasn't fit enough to to start the game supposedly, um, or was only fit enough to be on the bench, why not start him and give your chance, give yourself a chance of actually getting a goal from a recognised striker and then defending rather than wait until you're a goal behind and then throwing everybody forward. I just think there's a, I just think Steven Gerrard is between a rock and a hard place just now in terms of what he's expecting from his players and what they are delivering. And it, it's very difficult to suddenly turn around and say, right, this is the setup, this is a formation, but now I want to play three to back, you know, five in midfield and two up front. Where are the two guys that would play up front if you said that? How would they how would they complement each other? It might work, it might not. But I, but again, I do think the players ultimately have have let the manager down. Look, I think that's have, a bit- hold on, just on that. See, I agree with that as well. The players have let them down, but that we touched on it earlier. I can't remember if it, even you said it, Stuart. That that wasn't a surprise yesterday. This isn't no. the first time we went to Tynecastle. So he's he's done the exact same thing that we've already done. And, and mm-hmm. that's the issue with people, and that's why people are mad at Gerard. So it's not mad that we want him out the door, we want him sacked. That's not the kind of thing I'm saying here. There will be some people that now think that, and, and I can't argue with that. That's their opinion. That's fine. But my frustration comes from the fact that we keep doing the same thing, and there's no change, there's no adapting, and that, if he doesn't stop that and he doesn't change it, that's what's going to cause even more unrest and even more anger. It needs to change. And I know what you're saying about personnel and everything else, but you're not telling me that there wasn't an option yesterday that we couldn't have changed that up. Um, even Stuart suggested before we came online that um, you know Edmondson could have went in midfield when um, Jack went off injured and things like that. The first sub that comes on is Ojo. What has Ojo done in the last six months that keeps getting him on as, as in that situation? Yeah, no, I like, I, him. I like him. I really do. I like Ojo, but he's just—it's it, the repetitiveness of what Gerard's doing is why people are pissed off. Yeah, no, I would, I would, I would agree with you there. It's almost like he's—he has a default setting that only certain players will be used in in certain situations. But I, I, I will reiterate what I what I said: if the players are supposed to be doing a a, a job from the off and they're not able to do that. What trust do you have in them suddenly, you know, changing either formation or the roles that they're supposed to be playing? I think you're really hanging yourself out to dry there. Now, the difficult thing is is what Stevie mentioned earlier, that if, if, if Gerard doesn't find a way to change this up and if Gerard doesn't find a way to get the results against these average sides, then it, it only becomes a matter of time before the guy falls on his own sword. The thing that I've been trying to work out is at what point does that happen? And I worry that if, if we drop points against a team like Hamilton this coming Wednesday, for me, that's the point that it becomes very, very difficult to justify keeping the guy in the position. Um, especially when you, you, you know, you'll start hearing things like, oh, we should get someone in now so that they've got the whole of the summer to work with the team and to build to bring in the players that they want. I'm not at the point yet of saying Gerard needs to go. 
But you look at the form of the players, look at the form of the team, the points that have been dropped, and the way that the manner in which those points have been dropped, I'm not a million miles away. And I think that Hamilton, Hamilton is going to be a very, very important game um, for, for a number of reasons for, for Mr. Gerrard. Um, gents, I reckon that actually looking at, looking at the clock, that's probably all that we've got time for this evening. Um, the hour has absolutely flown by after a very, very difficult weekend for, for Rangers. Um, so with that in mind, listen, I'd like to say a, a massive thank you to, to both Stevie and to Stuart for helping me kind of exercise those demons of yesterday's performance. Um, to everyone who's who's joined in on the YouTube stream as well, we've had some some incredible numbers of, of people watching and also of people getting involved in the comments. So try to kind of incorporate as many of those in the questions as, as we could. Um, if we didn't get to yours, then I'm, I'm very, very sorry about that. But thank you for getting involved in the show. I made sure that I did read every single one of them. Um, make sure you head over to our website, as I said, www.jersnet.co.uk, where you can catch up on all the latest news and opinions, all the match previews, and as well, you can find all three of us over on the Friendly Discussion Forum. Remember as well, the podcast will be back next Sunday with another show, regardless of whether Mr. Gerrard is still at the helm or not. In the meantime, you can find all three of us on Twitter as well. All that's left for me to say is, is a massive thank you, as always, for listening, and have a great week. <laughs>